Welcome to the Bucky Cast, folks. John Schutz coming to you along with Rob Sanchez and special guest from Locked On Badgers, Ryan Herrings, former Bucky Cast member. How's it going, Ryan? I'm good. I'm glad to be back. Thank you for the invite. You guys have been great. I've been listening to every show, so um, I'm really stoked to be here. Welcome to the Bucky Cast, Ryan. Welcome. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's glad. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Rob, how are you doing? I am doing well. It's nice to be in the presence of such Bucky Cast royalty here. He's, um, one, of the, he's one of the Bucky Cast OGs right <laughs> mm-hmm. here. Um, I remember listening to you guys way back when, thinking, wow, maybe I should drink more beer. You're welcome, that and was, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Equally sorry, yep. and you're welcome. <laughs> back in the day, like it was five years ago. <laughs> back in the days of broadcast radio when I listened to the Bucky cast, you guys were stars. Anyway. I'm uh, not saying gonna... that. I just listened to you guys while taking a shower all the time, but maybe I did. <laughs> that was really our target demographic. Yes. You know, middle aged middle-aged men in the shower. <laughs> well, oh, man. check Rob, and you, check. <laughs> you overshared. You overshared. All right. Uh, this week we're gonna talk about, of course, uh Badger football training camp is going on. We're going to throw in uh, in our news and notes a little information about the men's basketball team. They're over in France right now playing some exhibition games. They just got started out in Paris today. Uh, women's volleyball, their camp is in full swing as well, getting ready for what should be a very exciting uh, defense of their national championship. Men's and women's soccer camp has also gotten started up. We'll probably have some more soccer content uh, in, in later uh, later episodes once they really get going. And then we have our mailbag. Yes, we got another email, another our second email ever. So uh, Ryan's Ryan's a little jealous because he would beg and beg for emails, mm-hmm. and no one ever sent one in the whole time he was here. And Ryan, we've already got two. Yay! Emails. I love it. <laughs> two whole emails. I wish we could print them out and just like <laughs> ruffle the paper like it's right. money, like it's coins. Like, look at this email. No, that's big time. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you want to email us, go ahead. We are the buckycast43 at gmail.com. Please send us your questions. We love to answer them, especially on air. Also, you can follow us at the buckycast on Twitter. Gentlemen, let's uh, let's get rolling with the beer roundtable. And we'll start off with our guest. That's only polite. Ryan, what are you drinking tonight? All right. So I've got two. Now, I haven't had a beer roundtable in a while. And the listeners may be wondering if that if I've stopped drinking. Nay, I have continued drinking heavily. But <laughs> I, in my first one right now, I'm drinking a, a beer called Equilibrium. It's a double fractal circle inversion double IPA. Um, so circle inversion is like a geometric kind of term to flip something out. So it is a kind of mango, papaya, grape, um, hazy, double IPA with about 9.1%. So it kicks you pretty good, but on the backside, it gives you a hug with like the haziness. That's my first beer. And then on the other side, I've got Kittens and Canoes, which is a just hazy uh, IPA, something from a local brewery here called Beard Brewing. They do it out of a warehouse. I don't think they really are coded or have any type of health standards there because I've been to the brewery. (laughs) It is like (laughs) literally in a dirty warehouse. But their their beers are incredible. They do... Ninjas versus Shinobi, uh, boats and and dogs and like kittens and canoes. So that's what I got today. A couple IPAs, the circular inversion and kittens and canoes. 
Did you go Top with kittens that, and Rob. canoes for the did you go with the kittens and canoes for the second half because it's a lot easier than talking math? Uh so yeah, I can only talk <laughs> Mr. Circular, inverse conversion. Circular 9%. inversion, Euclidean <laughs> geometry, um, while I'm not through my nine percent double IPA. So I start with that one for sure. <laughs> um yeah, folks, right. we've got we've got two uh we've got two navy folk on here. Two thirds of the uh two thirds of these speakers tonight are, are military, so they they may uh they may occasionally break into Navy speak. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Rob, go ahead. All right. I guess uh, not as fancy, but I'm going with the new Belgian triple be- Belgian style ale because there were three women on it holding an urn. That's the best way to pick your craft beer. <laughs> yes. Which which one looks the sexiest? Excellent choice. Uh, I myself am going even plainer than that. I am drinking from... Uh, good old Southern Wisconsin Potosi Brewing Company, their cave ale. It's just a standard amber ale. Thank you, Potosi. Your cave ale is delicious. If you ever go to Potosi, it's really hard to get to, but it's a really big brewery. And it's, of course, got the National Brewery Museum, which has all this fun breweriana, as it's called, collectibles in there. Uh, but they actually do have a beer cave so and a fresh spring that they use so if you ever get a chance go check out their tap room down uh just to the northeast of platteville kind of back in the sticks but it's a fun drive watch those 15 mile an hour hairpin curves anyway that's our beer round table let's just flash right over to our news and notes we'll start off with the men's basketball team by the way nothing happening in recruiting really except a little bit in basketball which we'll talk about here shortly otherwise football recruiting it's more of the same folks we don't know what's going on and they're not telling us so men's basketball first off uh wisconsin's going to get an official visitor come uh september 16th a player who i think is playing his aau ball in california but he's originally from alberta canada uh boo boo benjamin uh, 6'7", 190-pound forward in class of 2023. Possible, could be a scholarship offer depending. Rob, you have you watched any of his uh, highlights? Yeah, this guy looks fast. He's got he's got some speed. He's got some moves. He's, he's going to drive to the hole. So I definitely think he adds a lot of excitement to what we can do. Um, it'll be interesting to see if how much guard is willing to loosen up the system for, for athletes like these. But he's pretty exciting compared to a lot of the other people that we've, we've uh, recruited. Ryan, you know anything about boo boo? Yeah, no, I think, I think Rob nailed a lot of that. Like definitely a guy who plays above the rim gets in transition, um, shows the ability to drive to the right hand side, a couple of unique shots near the rim floater. I don't think there's a lot of nuance in his offensive game right now from what I've seen, like he's not pulling up for mid range, but for, for a later offer, like Rob said, if you get someone who's athletic, has upside, he's got a good frame, looks like a wing player at the next level, I like it. I just don't think – I think he's more of a project with athleticism right now. His numbers from playing on the Canadian national team were not great in terms of shooting, but he uh, in his highlights you do see his three-point po- three stroke, and it is it looks pretty good. You know, he's a raw ball of clay. Maybe if the Badgers strike out on uh, their final prospect – He'll get a scholarship offer, which brings us to that final prospect that they still have a chance with. Uh, Minnesota forward Nolan Winter out of Lakeville North. We've talked about him at length on the show. Was at Wisconsin on the 4th. Did the whole official visit thing. 
Now he's got an official visit set up to Minnesota. We understand um, around the middle of this month, in about a week, and probably going to make a decision shortly after that. Uh, it's come down to Wisconsin and Minnesota. You know, he's his parents are both Gopher alumni. We've said on the show before, feel like it's a, a strong Minnesota lean, but there's just enough doubt now that that Wisconsin might be able to do something. Ryan, I'll I'll kick it to you. What do you think your chances are with uh, Nolan Winter? Uh, yeah, so I think it's fifty one percent, forty nine percent. That that I was told. I've I've been able to talk to a couple of people who have talked to Nolan. Um, and I was told Hart says Minnesota, Head says Wisconsin. He thinks Wisconsin's probably the better system, but obviously he's got a pull to Minnesota. I talked to Sports Illustrated's recruiting director for basketball. He said uh, Wisconsin's in a really good spot for winter. Like he can, he definitely could say that. But at the if I had to put a mortgage on it, I think it's going to be Minnesota in the end. I think the hometown pull is tough, and um, unfortunately, I that's where I would project him to go. Which I think would be a bummer. I think winter would be great for Wisconsin system, and I think he would pair really well with Gussie Alden going forward. But I think it's close. I think it's close, but I think Minnesota has a very slight lead right now. Rob, what are your thoughts? Well, I talked to myself and I talked to my wife, but I don't think she was listening. And we've come to the conclusion that I, I think the, the key here is that Minnesota wanted to, him to take the official visit for a football game, and he didn't. He pushed his official visit with Minnesota up to this the middle of this month. I agree that Minnesota's got a lot, a, a big draw for him, but I think the fact that he's willing to do that makes me much more comfortable than I was two weeks ago with him choosing Wisconsin. So I think I'm going to go with the with the favorite of Wisconsin now for Nolan Winter. Oh, a split decision here. I, I like I said, I'm still thinking this is a, a Minnesota lean. I think ultimately he winds up at Minnesota. Just the, I think the alumni uh, parents is it's just too hard to overcome, uh, which is a shame because he goes to Lakeville North. I mean, if his parents weren't go for alumni, he'd probably be committed to Wisconsin mm-hmm. already. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, finally, the Badgers are in France. Played their first game today against the Paris All Stars. Uh, wound up winning that game, eighty-one sixty-six. Uh, some minor grumbling. On uh, message boards and Twitter about the fact that that team was beaten by 40, I think, by Auburn. And they played, uh, I can't remember Clemson. who the other team was. Was Clemson. it Clemson? It was Clemson, Clemson yeah. also, you know, whooped up on them. The Badgers only won by 15, only won by 15 points. Uh, if you look at the stat sheet, however, Wisconsin essentially played 11 different players and they really split their time right down the middle. The starters didn't play. Um, the the a lot of them didn't play the majority of the game. The guy who led the team in minutes for the game was Chris Hodges. It was not. I don't think that uh, Greg Gard went in there saying, uh, you know, my my objective is to blow them out and show how good we are. I think he pretty much just wanted to see what he had. So the Badgers did uh, shoot pretty well from three point range. Their field goal percentage was only I think like 0.6 points percentage points above their three point shooting percentage. A lot of that poured in by uh, Chucky Hepburn, Jordan Davis, and Isaac Lindsay. So looking, did, did you guys have any chance to look at the highlights from that game? Rob, did you get a chance to see anything? Yeah, I watched the highlights of it and went through uh, some of the analysis that I saw online. Obviously, the game wasn't televised for us. But I think that I think using the transitive property in the first game of the pre-preseason is probably not the greatest method to determine how good your team is going to be. I think that you're absolutely right. 
uh, guard was trying to go in to see how well these guys play and how well they play together. Um, it was really interesting to see all the new faces on the court, and they really did look like they were starting to to gel and play well together. So I'm greatly encouraged by what I saw from some of the bit player like Klesman, uh, even uh, Jordan uh, he, Taylor. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, Jordan Taylor, Davis. Right? Yeah, the Davis. Jordan Davis and what he uh, what he looked like. I, I think I think this was a very promising first game, and I'm interested to see how they look on the, in the last game in France. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I would say people who are fretting about the score are missing the big picture here. Like this, they none of this trip is about winning games. None of it is. Like it's about chemistry. It's about building camaraderie. It's about figuring out rotations. Just a bunch of new players. A bunch of people in new spots. Like. I don't care if they win. Honestly, they could lose these games. And in my opinion, that would look bad. They shouldn't lose them. But it's the bigger picture here is not margin of victory. It's are we shooting better? Is Kamari McGee settling into his role? Does Max Klesman settle into his role? How is Chris Hodges look as a backup five? He had six offensive rebounds, by the way, yep. which I think I think we were playing a pretty small team. But that's still pretty awesome. You don't accidentally get six offensive rebounds. So I think if you look at this like we need to beat every team by 40, you're missing the bigger point of the trip, which is this team needs to build chemistry, build up rotations, and a lot of new players and new faces need to acclimate to their roles. So, yeah, I, I have no issues with the margin of victory. I think this trip's awesome. They shot 44% from three. Isaac Lindsay, Marcus Ilver hit three threes. So I'm actually very – totally agree with Rob. Like I'm, I'm totally upbeat with what I saw from the box score, and I have absolutely – zero percent worry about margin of victory in these any of these games and 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 for non-tangibles right if you saw the highlights Hodges goes up for a uh a, a contested very contested like mm-hmm. hanging on him shot and he throws the guy to the ground yep. and then gives him the side eye and I'm like okay now we're ready this is what yep. I'm talking about yeah that was impressive stuff to see from Chris Hodges who we haven't heard or seen anything of he's sort of a mystery man in that front court because really he's all that's standing between um the Badgers and having to play Carter Gilmore as your main backup at power forward yep. and center so not not a rip on Carter Gilmore it's just it's preferred not to have a former preferred walk on be your only backup in the front court yeah that's a problem yeah. they also did have 25 turnovers i think it was 25 it was, a, it was a large number of turnovers, so they've got to definitely work on that. But it's the first exhibition game, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to stress about that tremendously. They still won, and no one got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who might wonder why we haven't mentioned Jacoby Neath, he did not make the trip. Um, still recovering from the surgery he had in the offseason to fix the, the problems he was having. So he should be ready for the start of the season, but he wasn't ready for the, this exhibition trip. Moving on from basketball, women's volleyball, and Ryan. Ryan will have to take a timeout here because he's 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 a, he's a casual he's a casual fan, not like us dedicated guys mm. like me who you know couldn't pronounce libero correctly two weeks ago. So, uh, <laughs> camp has started for women's volleyball. Um, Dennis Punzel, who used to write for um, the State Journal before he retired, is really not retired because he's still tweeting about the volleyball team. And he had some interesting comments uh, regarding Sarah Franklin, the transfer from Michigan State, outside hitter. Uh, we all knew she was first team All Big Ten last year, but evidently she's also um, got the looks of what he termed a Big Ten Player of the Year type outside hitter. You know, the, those those words couldn't warm my heart enough because combining her with Yulia Orgel, who is now 
healthy, uh, doing her top spin serves again. You know, that's that's really promising for Wisconsin's attack. Danielle Hartz looked good coming off of a season-ending injury last year. Their one question mark uh, right now, the all-Big 12 libero they got from Baylor, uh, Chanel Bromschreiber, is not eligible yet to, to play. She hasn't been cleared by the NCAA because she evidently hired an agent uh, in the offseason looking to go pro and then decided that wasn't for her and decided to use her COVID year. Uh, so she's not eligible yet. She is practicing with the team. We've I've seen her in highlights, but she is not yet eligible for the season. Hopefully they work that out. Uh, she was, uh, like I said, all Big 12. So that would be pretty important for the team. And I also mentioned women's and men's soccer has started up. They are actually, I think the women already played an exhibition match against Marquette. They didn't mention any winners. I'm pretty sure when you play an exhibition match and there's nothing disastrous happens, that everyone's a winner in the exhibition. But that is our uh, news and notes. I'm going to flip right over now and go to our mailbag. That's right. Time to answer those email questions. This one comes to us, I believe, uh, Adam Bach sent this in to us. He had three questions. First question, what game are you looking forward to the most this football season? Ryan, you're the guest. What game are you looking most forward to? That's a great question. Um, it, it To me, it's obviously the Minnesota game. It, we get them at home. They have the axe. Like, that could be for the Big Ten West title like that could determine the the title right there um but there's there's some revenge here there's some payback i hate that that program that school that state um so yeah to me it's it's minnesota without a doubt that that is the because i think we're gonna pump them i think we owe them i think we're gonna get them um so to me it's it's minnesota 100 okay rob what do you think uh, I'm really interested to see how we do in our rematch with Ohio State at the Big Ten Championship game. But no, okay. In all oh. honesty, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, this is actually a tough question. It seems simple, but I'm so excited right now after after uh, camp no- news that uh, Illinois State can't come quick enough, you know, to see that first game. Uh, Washington State's touting its horn, and I, I kind of want to see us put them in their place. But in all honesty, I do think it's going to be the first Ohio State game, not the second. Uh, we'll, we'll win the second one. But the first one's really going to be a test uh, going in uh, after our first three warm-up games to see where we're really at uh, from in a gelled standpoint with a with a newish team in the defensive side and, and what we're seeing on the offensive side. It'll be really interesting to see where we're at when we play Ohio State the first time. And for me, I really think it's at Michigan State. I think that's probably the the linchpin of whether this is going to be a, a decent season, a good season, or a great season. Uh, Wisconsin won their last game at Michigan State, and it had been a while since they had done mm-hmm. that. So now they've got a chance to rack up two in a row, and it would be three straight against the Spartans, who, you know, the, the factors are all there. You know, you've got Mel Tucker, you know, the guy who, the, million, the multi-million dollar man, uh, former Badger, you know, he's, he's got, they've got more money than God at Michigan state. Now Uh billionaire backing them. Uh, Jalen Berger is going to be one of their top two running backs. Probably they have other Badger ex Badger staff there, including uh, Saeed Khalif. This is really sort of a, a clash of, um, of grudge matches kind of, you know, can one Badger alumni coach beat the other Badger alumni coach 
And, you know, Michigan State's got all the flash and uh, sparkle going for it right now. But Wisconsin could really help itself by winning that game at it, not only because it's against Michigan State, but it's at Michigan State. They haven't had a lot of exposure in the state of Michigan recently, that, mm-hmm. and at least not positive exposure. And I've noticed that the recruiting uh, in Michigan has sort of fallen fallen off a little bit. Um, but hopefully they can get back in the minds of um, Michigan high school athletes with a win in that game. Can I ask a quick question on that? Sure. By the way, sorry, Rob. I I gotta ask you this, Rob. On this one, you for Ohio State. I agree with you. That's a huge barometer game. As a fan, are you looking forward to a night game in Columbus against that team? Yeah, I, I am. I think that when you talk about big time football, mm-hmm. you're looking at nighttime in Alabama. You're looking at nighttime at OSU. You're if if we think at all at all that we are ready to make our entry into the college football playoffs, then we need to be able to hype ourselves up for these type of games. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, I, I as an optimistic as I normally am, I, I am probably going to say that we're, we're probably going to lose this game. But the important thing to me is I want to see us play a good game and I want to see us play a close game. I don't want to get blown out in any aspect of the game and, I want to keep it to minimum a one-score game. If we can do that, I think it does two things. One is it shows our players that they're ready to be in the college football playoffs, and I think it really, really sets up the college, uh, the Big Ten championship game. Uh, you know, weeks down the line. So yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. It, it's it's a big proposition, but I think if if we are ready to walk the talk. And we need to do this. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I, th- I think I've just been beaten into beaten into <laughs> like submission by Ohio State, but everything you said is correct. So I mean I agree with everything you're saying. I just uh, I'll tell you what I'll, I'll tell you what, the last championship game with Ohio State, I managed to snag a last minute ticket. I was surrounded by Ohio State right. fans. And when halftime rolled around and we were ahead. You would not believe I, I thought I wasn't sure I was gonna walk out of the stadium and just the deflation that occurred when we came out and just couldn't move the ball in the second half and they just started moving the ball and you could just see yeah the the uh the arrogance come back into the crowd and we can play with them we just need to show that we can do this and we need to do it on a big stage well that would be it right there for sure yeah yeah all right rob you you have a history of making uh, bold assertive predictions so Hopefully this one uh, this one holds out for you because a you said Wisconsin's going to play Ohio State in the Big Ten title game and b you said we're going to beat them in that title game. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest the the Ohio State the first Ohio State game as I keep saying will probably be our only loss in the season and we'll meet him again in, in the uh, championship game. I love this guy. I love Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Rob is the lighthouse we all need. <laughs> I'm going to clean up the second question. If Mertz doesn't play well he says uh by what game do they make a switch who is it or do they ride them out all season guys i i'll be honest i don't see them playing mertz for any reason other than he simply can't throw the football anymore uh agreement disagreement yeah i think this is a foregone conclusion i don't think you're gonna see unless he's hurt like you said uh we're not gonna see anybody else come to the game. I mean, and the answer is if if someone did have to come to the game, it's gonna be Chase Wolf. I, I don't think that anyone either of the other two 
are prepared. I think I do think people are sleeping on Deacon Hill. They forget he's another four-star quarterback that we recruited and who's got a huge arm. However, I think that Graham Merce is going to be our quarterback the entire season unless he gets hurt. And if he gets hurt, we're going to see Chase Wolf. And I'll, re- I'll amend my uh, statement about winning all the rest of the games when that happens. <laughs> yeah, that one's out the door. Um, yeah, like it would take – I so I agree with you, Rob. Like realistically, it's it's – Mertz unless he gets hurt for the entire year. There's no real scenario where that changes. However, if you were to get early season Graham Mertz where, I mean, we can't even hand the ball off, you know, and it's just a complete train wreck. Maybe you see Chase Wolf. I agree. It's not going to be Deacon Hill. But at that point, like, there's no good solution, right? Like, we, we know who Chase Wolf is. So, are you're just substituting one issue for another and it just becomes more chaotic. So barring injury, I totally agree. I, I don't see any scenario where it's not Mertz. Yeah. Agreed. I have to, I have to apologize to chase Wolf. If I ever run into him, I believe a couple of weeks ago, I called him the worst backup quarterback in the country. So that may have been a little bit of hyperbole on my part, but it's not all that far from the truth. He's, he's just not been good when he's come in. And he's literally, I think he literally averages a turnover about every 10 plays. It's going to be rough sailing if Graham Mertz can't go. Third and final question. This is more of a fun question, I guess. Why don't they just call the Nebraska versus Wisconsin game the battle for the Big Red? Um, mm. I can I can tell you, Adam, that I have always, since Nebraska joined the Big Ten, called us the real Big Red. <laughs> uh, simply be, And we've proven that to be the case. You know, the 10... Uh, a, what is it nine year winning streak could be 10 this season i have a personal stake in this uh the bucky cast and myself will be at that nebraska game so there's going to be a lot of bragging rights on the line wisconsin has owned nebraska nebraska wants to make a case this year that they are back and uh i i was on a twitter space with brandon marcello from 247 and he mentioned you know right now he's he's really liking nebraska for the in the Big Ten West, he thinks they they're they've got a lot of momentum, and I, I you know I had to remind him that um, you know Nebraska's won the off season five years in a row in the Big Ten, which is their which is their great victory. <laughs> what momentum? Like what? Like I, listen, I like the fact that they brought in Casey Thompson, like they brought in a real quarterback, I, but like what momentum? You can't talk about momentum and put Nebraska in the same sentence. They haven't made a bowl game in in five years for Pete's sake, like. That's that's an absolute ludicrous term to use the word momentum with Nebraska right now. That doesn't mean uh, they won't be good this year, but I'm just saying, like, let's let's chillax a little bit. The 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 desperation momentum is on their side. I guess there's no more desperate team in the Big Ten West than Nebraska right now. I can't even think of anybody who's that desperate. Anyway, I mean, it's probably true. You know why they, they don't call it the battle for the, the the Big Red, the battle of the Big Red, is because the Big Ten decided the Freedom Trophy is a better name. Like the battle for the freedom <laughs> trophy. So in all their in all their infinite wisdom, they made up some rando name and, and trophy, and that's why. So we, I mean, it's great. I, I actually really like playing Nebraska. I think Nebraska's a, a real natural fit in the Big Ten, but the the Big Ten can be a little forced with their marketing at times. Like the freedom trophy is a great example of that. Nothing says freedom like corn and cows, right? Right? Like it doesn't <laughs> even make sense. Like we're playing a game of football. Like we're not absolutely <laughs> does. Oh my God. Can you imagine being more and beer? Nebraska and Wisconsin, two of the heaviest drinking uh, mm-hmm. states in the country. 
Nothing says freedom like alcoholism. Anyway. Hold on. The reason we don't call it the battle for the big red is because of the word battle. It's not really a battle when Wisconsin's playing Nebraska. Fair. I love it. We've got to get in our shots while we can. I have a feeling eventually Nebraska is going to pull this around, but until they do, we feel free to savage them mercilessly. I'll tell you what, Nebraska, let's wait till volleyball, the volleyball game. Okay. Then we'll talk a real Mm -hmm. competition. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Some some hot takes being thrown down here tonight on the Bucky cast. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, football training camp right now. Welcome back to the Bucky cast. John here along with Rob and special guest Ryan Herrings from Locked On Badgers. We're going to talk a little Wisconsin football camp because it's August and that is the time to talk about football. Everyone's a winner right now. There are no losing teams in August. So on that note, with hope springing eternal, uh, some camp notes from the last week that I wanted to talk about. Number one, uh, Skylar Bell, who has played in exactly one game for Wisconsin with one reception, albeit a very acrobatic reception, is a national story now. Uh, Clips are coming out. Football Twitter is leaking them. Reporters are leaking them. Of Skylar Bell, you know, making one-handed catches, of just grabbing multiple uh, receptions. Ryan, you've uh, you've been. I'm I'm sure this has been talked. I, I I apologize. I can't immediately recall if your podcast has talked about Skylar Bell yet. But give us a little run through with Skylar Bell and what you what you see and what you're expecting. Yeah, so it's it's definitely something we talked about. the The news has been. Oh, just off the charts with Skylar Bell. He had three touchdown catches in a practice, making a lot of contested catches, you know, making um, tough grabs that really helped the cornerback out, a one-handed grab along the sideline. And, you know, we saw flashes with Skylar Bell, an athletic player. But it's interesting that we – I think the majority of people, and I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think the majority of people thought Marcus Allen would be the number two, maybe Keontas Lewis. I don't think Skylar Bell was the popular choice for Chimre DK's running mate. And – what we've seen should really excite Badger fans because Marcus Allen and, you know, Keontas Lewis are still there. The upside that we liked about those guys is still there. And now we can get even more excited about Skylar Bell, who looks like an explosive running mate to, to DK. So um, I think what you're getting there is an athletic kind of um, maybe a, a little bigger version of kind of what we had last year with, you know, maybe a Danny Davis where he can make contested catches, but he's more athletic. I'm very excited about it. And I think Badger fans one through four should be really stoked about the receiver group right now because there's a lot of young talent at that grouping that we haven't had before. I would I would argue that it's even more than that because uh, Dean Ingram has also mm. been uh, getting a lot of notice in training. My camp only as well. my only pushback with Dean Ingram though, and I don't want to cut you off because I agree. I just don't know how many balls there are to go around when you start talking about five receivers. Maybe maybe Keontas Lewis isn't in that group, so maybe you drop down the four with Dean Ingram. But there's still this is still a tight end offense, a running back offense. I just, I don't know. Like Ingram has definitely drawn rave reviews, though, and your point is totally correct. You know, Rob, I, I think we can agree this is probably at least potential-wise the best receiving core Wisconsin has had in at least four years. I would think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the thing that we're looking at is we all expected DK to be very good this year, and and Ryan's absolutely right. I expected it was going to be uh, Marcus coming in afterwards, but. What we're seeing now is Skylar Bell's ability to catch away from his body and allow Mertz to make tougher throws that the defender can't touch 
is on par with what we used to see with Quintez Cephas. I think what we're seeing now is that we may finally actually have a team that has one, two, three, maybe even four Mm -hmm. receivers that are on par with what our typical number one receiver used to be. I honestly, at, at this point, I think we probably shouldn't have even played Pryor and Davis as much last year and let some of these young guys play more last year because I only think that these young guys are going to enhance the passing game for Mertz. They're making him more comfortable, I believe, in his ability to take some of the risks that he really wants to take while still trying to be safe. And I think it's fair to note um, in Wisconsin's offense, just the threat of having wide receivers who can bust a big play down the field sure. is is hugely important to that offense. They did not have a game breaker last year at all. And the the idea that you know they could have one or two or maybe even three guys who can get open in the mid and deep passing game is something that's going to keep that safety out of the box and hopefully um, loosen up the defense a little bit. Interesting side note, Skyler Bell's former teammate, Deontay Vines, has also been blowing up Iowa's training camp uh, where he's committed to. So it's kind of interesting. He was originally, Skyler Bell was, was predicted to go to Iowa. And join Deontay Vines there. Deontay Vines is evidently having a great uh, camp at Iowa. So fortunately for the Badgers, they were able to reel in Bell, and he has really lit it up. You guys remember really quick Danny Davis, his first year, his freshman year? Yep. When, I mean, he was just making really acrobatic. And Rob, when you're talking about making hands catches, tough catches away from your body, you know, some of the stuff that Skyler looks like he's doing now, that reminds me of Danny Davis, young Danny Davis. For some reason, like, that went away. Yeah. I think Davis got hurt some, and the passing game broke down for a lot of reasons. You know what happened? Jack Dunn vampired him. Jack Dunn vampired him. <laughs> the offense just went into a, a total funk. But, like, young Danny Davis, we I think we all thought he would be more than he ended up being. But that kind of reminds me of what we're seeing with Skyler Bell right now, like making those tough catches to your point, making it easier on Mertz, which I think is only going to benefit the entire ecosystem. Yeah. And the interesting thing will be to see if a more focused offensive line and a young receiving core will allow the coaches to change or, or at least insert a couple of new wrinkles in the game. I mean, we're going to see, we're going to see one, one guy stretching the field and crossing patterns uh, till the cows come home. But it would be really interesting to see Wisconsin with two receivers stretching the field mm-hmm. on either side and maybe even a slot crossing through the middle with Ingram. So it'll be interesting to see if the personnel allow the coaches to flex the system. Speaking of which, uh, Graham Mertz, from everything we've seen so far, at least just the short clips that we've gotten a chance to look at, uh, has looked much better than he did in the spring. I've not yet heard one of the uh, one of the the one of the reporters for the Badgers uh, saying Graham Mertz looked terrible today or Graham Mertz was missing a lot of throws. They've been pretty much uniform that he's doing everything that would be expected of a, of a good starter or a third year starter. So that's encouraging news into and of itself. And we've seen him, you know, his form seems much cleaner. He's much more vocal as a leader. Uh, he seems more comfortable. That would go a long way. I think Rob, don't you agree in terms of him settling into the offense? I do. I do. I, I I can't I can't join the crowd that thinks Mertz isn't good because I always have to go back to Illinois and Michigan a couple of years ago. And that tells me that he has the ability. I think what from the interviews that I've seen, what happened is that he decided to stop playing around and really concentrate and focus on the minutiae 
of being the quarterback and being a leader on the team, understanding the receivers, understanding the line, understanding the tight end, and where what he needs to do to get everybody to perform the way he needs them to perform as the quarterback. And so what I think we're seeing is him maturing as a quarterback in his third year, and I'm hoping that this brings back the performance that we saw against Illinois and Michigan. Ryan, he's broken our hearts so many times. Do you still have a place in your heart for Graham Mertz? Of course, man, of course I do. So here's the thing. At the end of the day, and Rob hit some of this too, we're all Badger fans, right? So we all want Mertz to do well. And there's never going to be anybody that can say he doesn't work hard in the offseason. He lost, everyone's seen the report, 10, 11 pounds. Like that's, it's a testament to the fact that he's a worker. I've got a couple Graham Mertz, Graham Mertz rookie cards autographed. So like, hey, I'm just on the side note, I'm hoping he does really well just to help that aspect of my <laughs> financial life. You gotta have I've his got merch. I've got some merch. So I'm hoping that he does well just for that aspect. But here's, here's what I'll say. Mertz is not without blame in any of his, his, his uh, foibles. However, I think we could all agree that Badgers have not given him the best ecosystem to thrive in, right? I always yeah. call an offense an ecosystem. He's had a different quarterbacks coach every year. The receivers haven't been great. Pass blocking last year was a real, real issue. So this isn't all on Mertz. And if we can agree, and which I think we just did in the previous segment, that the receivers are better, right? Now, Ferguson's not there, but I think the receivers are better. Ingram's coming in. like So I think a lot of the things around him are going to get better. And that's just going to naturally make um, or it's a more competent, efficient quarterback to begin with. And then he put in work in this offseason. So I'm not off the bandwagon. I'm also not a guy who thinks it's going to be inevitable that he's a, a top, top tier Big Ten quarterback. He's got to prove it. But I think he has the tools to do that. And now I think the things around him are going to be simplified for him. So I'm really excited to see it. Um, I think there's a very real chance at the end of the year, Graham Mertz is a, a top four-ish Big Ten quarterback. I don't think that's unrealistic. Uh, and you know what that means for next year? Remember that that movie uh, where the Wisconsin quarterback was drafted number one overall. But he was a bust. He was a he was a he was a jerk. Hey hey hey, that's Kevin fine. Costner, that's fine. Right? I'm not worried about it after he gets to the NFL. Nobody went to his birthday party because he wasn't a leader. Man, you guys just derailed this podcast again. I tell you. Anyway, um, speaking of the offensive line, yeah, the pass blocking last year was was suboptimal at best. Uh, Tyler Beach not clearly not suited, especially injured Tyler Beach, clearly not suited to play uh, left tackle. But the most interesting battle now, Jack Nelson's got that left tackle spot pretty much locked down from the sound of it. The most interesting battle in camp, at least on the offensive side, has been at right tackle, where only at Wisconsin can you have two five-star guys and a four-star mm-hmm. guy battling it out for the right tackle spot. And right now, it, it started off, it was a Riley Mallman start in to training camp but in the last training camp session logan brown went ran with the ones and he didn't look out of place ryan do you think there's still a chance for logan brown yeah i absolutely do um here, here's the thing bob bosa doesn't mess around right and it's not like any of us know him personally but every anecdote we've read about bob bostead is he's not out there like doing favors to people so if if we're seeing logan brown take number one reps at right tackle that means he's still in the race um, that's my interpretation of it. Like, obviously I haven't talked to Bob Bosted, but you know, not I, yet I th- anyway, not yet yeah, anyway. I mean... He's I'm talking to him tomorrow, obviously. Um, <laughs> but... I, I think you're having lunch with him, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. We're golf buddies, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it's very much a scenario in my opinion, where I think you're probably going to see both of them. It won't surprise me if either, either of them were starting. I'm not trying to just kind of, um, not take a stance here, but I, I don't really know. I think they both are very much in this race. I think it's kind of a coin toss. 
I think you're going to end up having one of them start and have a really good backup at the other spot. I also think that this is my scenario now. I think you could see a future where Logan Brown is a guard, right? Because he's he's a pile driver and he struggles a little bit with quickness. You know, that's that future where Tyler Beach is now gone. So next year, but that's just me looking forward in terms of right tackle. I think it's very much a battle and it wouldn't surprise me if it goes either way. Both are highly, highly recruited kids with a huge frame and elite tools. The other five star I was mentioning, Nolan Rucci, um, is not, he's still, he's still under 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. So has not yet added a lot of bulk to his frame. Dude, six, eight. I mean, he needs to be around 315, I think, to be effective. 310 at the minimum. But uh, he has moved back to the backup left tackle spot. So it appears that 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 he may not be a contender in that match anymore. But yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with either Malman, who was a high school tight end. We love our high school tight ends who turn into offensive tackles. Mm-hmm. And Malman is, you know, it's six eight. You know, dude's just a prototypical offensive tackle. Logan Brown has every single physical attribute you'd ever want in an offensive tackle. He just, I don't know if he has the mean in him. He well, seems Bostead like a really nice that. kid. Yeah, Bostead, Bob Bostead will get that out. Bostead's walking around with a cattle prod and a bullwhip. Yep. <laughs> Come on, get a little meaner. Get a little meaner. Jabs him with it. Rob, we haven't asked your opinion yet, so I feel we should. Who do you think wins this battle? Yeah, I, I've always had a soft spot for Logan Brown just because he was a five-star coming out of Michigan. and You don't get... Five stars coming out of Michigan. An early committing so, five star out of Michigan, no less. So, you know, I always wanted to support him, but I think you're absolutely right. From the stories, uh, no one's come out and said it, but from the stories you hear and, and reading through the lines, it seems like he just hasn't done the little things. He doesn't have the attitude, the killer instinct, really, to be on the line. And I think you're absolutely right. Bostad is going to get that out of him if it's there. Um, you, we've all read the interviews the with the linebackers who hated the drills that, that Bostad put him through, but every single one of them has gone on in the NFL. So I think that what we're going to see is Logan Brown this year is going to succeed or fail. If Logan Brown wins this job, he's either going to go to the NFL or be the starter next year. No worries. But Malman is a talent coming up behind him that is going to be hard to keep off the field. But I think Brown's going to, I think Brown's going to dig it out and win the job this year. All right. So three quick questions for everyone. Question number one, and I'll kick this to Rob first. Are you hopeful for Wisconsin's passing game? This seems like a softball question because of course we are, but elaborate on why you're hopeful. Yeah, I am hopeful. We've discussed a lot of the reasons already, but key is this offensive line. We had a patchwork offensive line. We had Beach, as as Ryan noted, Beach was playing tackle, and he shouldn't have been. I think you move him inside, and we're starting to see the fruits of the recruiting. We've got Jack Nelson on the the right side. You got Logan Brown or Malman on the left side. You got Beach Uh, on the inside. Flip flip those. Uh, Yeah, vice versa. And then you got Tipman inside. I think this, this is the Wisconsin line that we can remember it being. And I think that alone is going to give Mertz one to two more seconds in the passing game to calm him down and allow him to make better decisions in addition to having receivers who are going to be breaking open and are going to be able to bail him out on those times where he gets a little bit unconventional in how he's throwing it or where he's throwing it to. So I am definitely hopeful for the Wisconsin passing game this year. I think everything all around him 
is better, and I think he's more focused. It's got to be better this year. Ryan? Uh, let me t- so yeah, I am hopeful, but let me tell you why I'm I'm nervous. I'll give you the flip side of that coin because uh, I agree with a lot of Rob, what Rob was saying. But you have last year's passing game with a quarterback coming back that threw eleven picks was was quite frankly pretty terrible. And now you've taken Jake Ferguson, the only reliable pass catcher out of that mix. Maybe you could argue Chimre DK was reliable last year, but the point remains: I if someone were to tell me. I don't buy it, and this is why. I think there's a solid case there. So there's a lot of hope and prayer on Bobby Ingram changing things up. We're relying on young receivers. We still don't really know who that tight end weapon is going to be. So I think the pass blocking will be better. I love the Bobby Ingram hire. I've talked about that before. But, yeah, like I think there's real reasons to remain nervous. Remember, spring and fall is always the time, too, where – players are always in the best shape of their lives, right? Like, so mm-hmm. I think it's going to be better, but yeah, I think there's a very realistic scenario. It's not. And the loss of Jake Ferguson is not something to gloss over. That that dude was a total stud last year. All right. Well, let's cover the running game here. Braylon Allen. Uh, I've got the over under here at 2000 yards. Uh, Ryan, I'll kick it to you. Are you going to, does he go for 2000 or does he not? Under. Going under? Okay. Yeah, I, I love Braylon. I think there's a lot of depth in this this running back room. If Malusi can stay healthy, he, Malusi's going to siphon off a thousand yards if he's healthy. The other thing with Braylon that's unique with Braylon Allen, and maybe I'm maybe I'm off on this, but when you compare him to other great running backs, Braylon Allen takes more punishment. Just because like he just doesn't avoid as much of the contact. He's a big dude, and I think it just it's hard to stay healthy. We saw it last year. I, I think he's awesome. He's a total stud. I don't think he's going to get the carries to get to 2,000. Rob, what do you think? Yeah, I think he's going to hit. He's going to hit 2,000. If not, it'll be just under. But, yeah, he's going to hit 2,000. And I think what we're going to see, and this is another reason why the passing game is kind of a – is going to be nice is because it's an add-on to this. I think what we're going to see is we're going to go back to a system. I, I've talked about this before in different conversations is in the old days, we didn't have a 2,000-yard rusher, 2,500-yard rusher, and nothing else. We had a 2,000-yard rusher, a 1,000-yard rusher, and a 500-yard rusher. And I think that's what we're going to see this year. I think Braylon's going to get pretty close to 2,000, if not 2,000. We're going to see Malusi with 1,000, and we're going to see either Garendo or uh, who's the guy out of, out of Menominee Falls? Davis. Julius Davis. Julius, yeah. We're going to see one of those two get 500 to 800 yards. So I think what we're going to see, if wow. if the coaching staff is smart, and this will alleviate what Ryan's talking about in Allen getting as much, getting hit as much, is we're going to see those guys rack, rack up those yards. I honestly think this line is so impressive that we're going to see an improvement in both the passing and the running game this year. Mm, that is that is a very bold take. You can tell we're a Wisconsin podcast because we're talking about a <laughs> will a running right. back go for two thousand yards. Right. Most and it's not like, un, it's not out of the question. No, right. It's not. It's absolutely not. And that's it's hilarious because at Wisconsin we're just like two thousand yards is pretty good. <laughs> it's like, wow, you ran for two thousand yards. It's like yeah, that's all right. Other guys have done that. It's not that Melvin Gordon year though. <laughs> I know if he runs yeah. for. If, if yeah. Braylon Allen runs for 1,500 yards this year, are, are, is everyone going to be disappointed? Yeah, he's going to be like P.J. Hill. He's like, eh. Yeah, yeah. Just a big, <laughs> Whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, you only rushed for 1,500 yards. You are not a Badger stud at all. <sighs> anyway, so let's. we haven't talked yet about the defense. Will the defense be able to maintain 
Rob, what do you think? Can they stay at maybe not last year's insane level, but like a top 10 NCAA Division I defense? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not sure they'll be a top five, but I think they'll be a top 10. And the reason why I say that is because our front seven is going to be dominant. I think that we have Benton and Mullins uh, on, on the line there that are just, they're going to be super athletic and push offensive lines to their limit, which is going to even open it up even more for Herbig and and and, every, and the uh, Cheney to get in there and really push that front line. And it's going to put a lot of pressure on It's going to shut down run games. It's going to put a lot of pressure on the passing game for all of our opponents. I understand everyone's hesitation with our secondary because let's be honest, we're, we're revamping almost the entire thing. It's one of those cases where we really have to trust what Leonard is doing. And I think that we have the people he brought in the people that we needed to be successful in the secondary. And from all indications we have through one practice, we've seen that they look pretty good. Um, It's, it's interesting. I, if I wanted to be negative, I could say maybe Mertz looks so good in practice because our secondary doesn't look as good, but I prefer to think that Mertz has improved and our secondary still is pretty solid. So we'll see how it rolls out. (laughs) Ryan, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think Rob's pretty spot on here. I think he's loading coal into the train. Um, There's just, listen, I, I think people freak out a little bit about the wrong numbers, right? People say, well, you lost four players out of the secondary that that played a lot. None of those dudes, like, listen, we like Nelson. Yeah. We like yeah. Wilder. We like Caesar. But, like, none of those dudes are, like, studs. I mean, let's be on. Let's be super yeah. honest with ourselves here. Like, we're not replacing Ronnie Lott, you know, Daryl Revis. We're not even replacing Derek Tindall and, and Tanner McAvoy, like, who was on an NFL roster for, like, five years. Like, Again, people need to relax with you're losing all these dudes. The front seven is going to be rock solid, like Rob said. I think the defense line's underrated. Keanu Ben's an NFL dude. The two defensive ends are going to be sawed off tree trunks, right? With with Mullins and Townsend's in there and Thompson's in there. Rodas Johnson's in. All these dudes are Geo Pias. All these dudes are 290 plus. Like you're not going to run on the front seven. And quite frankly, I think the players they brought in at the secondary spots are at least as good as what we lost. And probably better in some spots. So, like, let's not sit here and and say we oh we can't play a good defense because Scott Nelson's gone. Like Badger fans sometimes hated Scott Nelson. Let's be real here. Like he was super solid, but I think the defense is going to be top ten. I think the front seven's too good. I think Jim Leonard's too good. I think Nick Nick Herbig is a total star. So yeah, I'm not worried about it. Like completely, what Rob said, it's not going to be the second best defense in the country. But top 10, yeah, it's going to be a top 10 defense. They're going to be incredibly good. I think they're probably going to be better rushing the passer. Probably a little worse against the run. The inside linebacker is going to take a step back. But I think secondary could take a step up. So I'm not worried about it at all. Uh, quick side note, uh, we uh, Rob touched on it. Jake Cheney, the true sophomore mm. from Florida, is now running with the ones. It's him and Jordan Turner. who Jake, Jake Cheney's got a little Chris Orr in him. Uh, and and if he's more durable than or he could he could be a star in this system, and that's it's rough because it's like you know I I love I, I like Tatum Grass he's a hard nosed former walk on reminds me a lot of Mike Mascalunas, mm-hmm. um and Ryan Connolly he's that kind of player but I think that Cheney and uh, Turner are just too athletic and explosive at that inside linebacker position Turner's been great so far that we've in the glimpses we've seen of him in coverage which is something wisconsin has not traditionally known its inside linebackers to be 
And Cheney is just a, uh, he played in all games as a special teamer last year. And he's just one of those guys, you know, short little sawed off dude who can just blitz like crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's not even including other guys like Jake Ratzlaff and Muma Jung Mehta, who are also, you know, those, these are, uh, Wisconsin's so deep at inside linebacker. It's a little scary and you kind of forget that's not even the most solid spot on the team. The defense is definitely, I think, uh, top 10 caliber. We'll see if they can actually get there or not. They're facing a lot of explosive offenses this season, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw a blurb, if I if I remember correctly, Cheney, saying that D'Onofrio is, if you play well, you continue to start. Otherwise, you get replaced by someone else. So, you know, these guys, these guys are out there to prove it, so... And don't kid yourself, Mark D'Onofrio may not have been like the first choice for hiring, but Mark D'Onofrio has been around for a while and he mm-hmm. knows how to run an inside linebacker room. And people have talked about his, his uh, you know, being replaced as a defensive coordinator at both Miami and Houston. And it's like, dude, he's not a defensive coordinator right now. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill Sheridan moved around a lot too. He does obviously D'Onofrio doesn't have the NFL pedigree, but he's still been around the block. So Anyway, we will uh, take another break here, and then we're going to come right back. We're going to do a a short segment on the new big media rights deal. This is something that's been talked about quite a bit recently. It's not been finalized, but we want to discuss it. So uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Bucky cast. John, along with Rob and special guest Ryan from Locked on Badgers. We're going to do a quick talk here about the uh, the consequences of the new Big Ten uh, media rights deal. For those who haven't been keeping up, the Big Ten has been kicking around a, a new contract. Fox has been working with them hand in hand since Fox owns a majority share of the Big Ten network, which is not going away anytime soon. Uh, an argument could be made that BTN is the most successful college sports network that there is currently. I, I don't know too much about the SEC network. I just know that it came after the big after BTN. Anyway, Fox has been negotiating along with a number of different possible broadcast partners. This week, the news came out. Uh, CBS and NBC look like they are going to be the broadcast partners along with Fox and BTN. CBS and NBC are evidently throwing out an, an utterly obscene amount of money for the for the games that they're going to get, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of $350 million each, or numbers in that range. And then I can only imagine what Fox and what Fox is going to bid. So it looks like the uh, $1 billion uh, contract that everyone was talking about, or north of $1 billion, is going to happen. ESPN backed out of the negotiations. This is enormous. Rob, have, can you remember a time when ESPN did not carry a Big Ten football games? I can't. No, not at all. I, I think I read an article that said, the last time ESPN didn't have a, a Big Ten game was like 1966. So, <laughs> do they even uh, exist back then? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy that ESPN's not going to be doing Big I'm Ten. I'm pretty sure e- ESPN wasn't around in 1966. I think you got to check your sources on that one. So, I, I would... think I think when they say 1966, they're considering ESPN to be as well ABC. Okay, that makes yeah. more sense then. Yeah. Ryan, what what are your thoughts on ESPN being out? Oh, man. So it's weird, but I really like it. I, I would start by saying 
Badger fans should be really excited. Big Ten fans, really, but Badger fans because we're part of the entity. Yeah, like it's nice to be part of the haves and not the have-nots, right? Like there's a college football food chain, and Wisconsin's much more a predator, and Big Ten is much more a predator than the vice versa. So it's nice to be in that environment. Um, I got to be honest. I felt for a while, and I don't think this has been a huge deal. I'm curious where you guys are at on this. I felt for a while that the ESPN ESPN has slanted SEC. Like I, yeah. I felt yes. like they have gone in that direction. So us us divesting from that ecosystem and going to because you got to remember when NBC, CBS, if they're if they're dumping a bunch of money into this to get Big Ten, they're gonna they're gonna pump the Big Ten. Like it's gonna be nice to feel like a major media market is not. Well, the Big Ten West is terrible. If what would they do in the SEC? I feel like that's been talking points on ESPN, right? They bring in guests that are uh, this guy graduated from Georgia, Paul Feinstein. Like all these guys are like, there's an SEC slant to a lot of it, and quite frankly, I'm kind of done with it. So, I, I think it's nice. I think it's going to be awesome having games on CBS, NBC. I think it's going to bring Notre Dame into the fold with that NBC angle. So, this is only good stuff for the Big Ten, and quite frankly. Um, ESPN is going to make its bed with the SEC, which I think it's already done. And now you have NBC and CBS that are really going to be at the back of the Big Ten, like the wind behind those sails. I think it makes a ton of sense for the Big Ten. And again, it's it's very nice to be part of that have culture and not the have nots of really everyone else outside of the SEC is getting left behind in this. And we're also seeing a battle right now over the streaming service rights for the Big Ten. Obviously, the the go-to you you think of is Peacock for NBC, but that may not necessarily be the only thing because Amazon and Apple are also bidding on streaming rights, which is going to be enormous looking into the future. So every someone's got to carry all this Big Ten sports content, especially if the Big Ten expands up to 20 teams or even 24. And that's the beauty of this deal is they've talked about how this is a, nego- a renegotiable deal if they add more teams, if there's more availability. Mm -hmm. But right now it looks like they're going to have a Fox game at noon Eastern time, followed by a CBS game in the uh, afternoon time slot, and then NBC at night. So that's three slots. You can basically watch Big Ten football all day long, just hopping between three broadcast networks, which is, you know, you don't even have to have a cable package or a streaming package for this. You can just have an antenna mm-hmm. and get three good Big Ten games. So the Big Ten kind of squeezed. Uh, I, I personally, and we'll get to this in a second, I, I think that the Big Ten should absolutely now grab the uh, Pacific Northwest and Northern California schools, lock up mm-hmm. that fourth late night time slot, and just say, you know what? We've we've got everything literally locked down. You can watch four games worth of uh, of Big Ten games and just never have to change your channel from nine o'clock in the morning until you know whenever you decide to go to bed. Ryan Ryan's shaking his head a little bit. He doesn't like that idea. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm just curious. No, I like I like the idea of media domination, right? Of of multiple viewing times and and dominating multiple markets throughout the day. I'm curious when you say grab the Pacific Northwest, who you're actually referring to? Uh, I, Washington and Oregon. Washington and Oregon. Okay, I, I'm down with that, right? Like if we're starting to talk four teams and we're including Stanford, Cal, Washington, and Oregon, to me makes a lot of sense. You Oregon, you have to sell your soul a little bit, like because. The Big Ten has always been, for like it or not, right? The Big Ten has always sold itself as academics and athletics, right? Like everyone's going to be well, like, 
Oregon's Oregon, still an AAU school, but so. they they feel they're, very much like a shill of I don't know. It, it's, <laughs> I guess perception. They're the um, Miami of the they're the public school Miami of the West Coast. But, but I'm not against it. I, I like I I totally get where you're going with it. You get the Phil Knight money, and it, with Washington, you get into uh, like that that market makes sense. You get the seven o'clock time slots. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think if you expand past that and you start talking. Like a lot of people have said Stanford. I don't think Stanford makes a ton of I don't think it helps you much. It's just a great academic. It brand. helps to it helps to lock up Notre Dame, is what it does. Potentially, but where's Notre Dame going to do when NBC pressures them anyway? Right. Like I, I don't know if they need a bunch more pressure now that you especially USC's in the fold, right? Like you have USC, Michigan, Purdue. You have already a good chunk of those Notre Dame conferencing schedule mates. I would hate to add somebody just to appease Notre Dame, if that makes sense. And if we're going to do it instead of Stanford, it should be Navy. Well, no, no, Navy would be that. wild. <laughs> like, stop, listen, stop that, both of you. You got, you got two Navy guys on the podcast. I, told, I, see, I thought this was going to happen. Okay, Listen, that I, triple option would beat Nebraska. Can, can we just for a second appreciate the fact that Navy could play the triple option against Nebraska and beat them at their own game? Like, Can we just acknowledge oh, that amazing fact? Folks, I apologize for the last minute and a half of content on the Bucky cast. So let's quickly, who who do we think are the biggest winners here? Like in terms of how this deal worked out. I'm, I myself, I'm going to go, the, the biggest winner obviously is going to be the individual schools in the Big Ten Conference. This media deal is probably going to bring in anywhere from 80 to $100 million a team. And that is definitely not chump change at a school like, say, Purdue or Indiana or Northwestern, much less Wisconsin, Iowa, you know, those schools, you know, that's that's big time money getting pumped into, as Ryan has said, your ecosystem. And that's enough to fund, you know, your 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 uh, Olympic sports, the non-revenue sports and your football program, Wisconsin might actually, we've talked about this, I think, uh, last week, might actually be able now to afford that quarter of a billion dollar football practice facility that they've been, you know, that's been like the the number one thing I think they should have been focused on since they redid Camp Randall Stadium, but uh, has never come to pass. And I also have to think that uh, NBC is a huge winner out of this. They get not only do they have the Notre Dame football, but they now have a primetime Big Ten game. They're not just a one trick pony. Uh, CBS gets to hold on to that afternoon time slot. It's just a different league. So I'll be curious to see how that works out for them. And for me, the biggest losers out of this ESPN has just lost um, its Big Ten coverage. And, you know, this really. It, it affects them down their, their down the the uh, food chain because they've lost a bunch of basketball games, mm-hmm. and that used to help them fill in time slots on a on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night. You'd see a Big Ten game on ESPN. Well, that's not going to happen anymore. They're all going to be a on great point. FSN, yeah. you know, they're going to be on FSN one or FSN two or CBS Sports Network or somewhere like that. Yeah, that's a so, really good point. Uh, or BTN's going to have to carry more of the load. But um, it 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 the the other big loser out of this, despite all the money coming in, is the non-revenue sports because there's only so much uh, channel content you can have. And what does this do to women's volleyball and women's and men's soccer, which were games that were actually shown on BTN? 
Uh, now all of a sudden, do, are they squeezed out? Does BTN have to start a BTN plus or a, well, there's already BTN plus there already a BTN is, yeah. two. Yeah. Where they, you know, you have to sign up for that extra service just to get those other non-revenue sports. Now the logistics are interesting. I, with with the 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 not like the Olympic sports, I, I give me two more the biggest winners if I could. I mean UCLA and Rutgers, right? Yes. Like to me, like UCLA is literally coming into this windfall because they're USC's little brother. Like I mean, that the good on them. Like it's fine, it's totally fine. But you talk about a winner in all of this. USC UCLA is going to come into this this ridiculously um incredible situation for for no no reason that they've done anything well, right? They're in financial <laughs> ruin. Their football program's a joke. Their basketball program is holding on to the, the, the remnants of their history, you know? It so it saved them. It saved it their saved them. program. Yeah. yeah. And, and Rutgers is the same way. You remember where Rutgers was before they came to the big 10. And now suddenly this media deal is getting they renegotiated. Can, they can repay their loan to Deutsche right. Bank now. <laughs> like good on them. Like I'm not even hating on it, but you're talking about winners. Like, you know there are there are tertiary teams in the Big Ten like like Wisconsin is we we all talk about Wisconsin not being at Ohio State's level. Wisconsin is still one of the best athletic departments in the country. I mean Wisconsin is incredibly well run, consistent. Like we earn what we get, and desperately like, still desperately needs that money. Absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. But, but like they're are, a contributing yeah. member to the Big Ten, like Rutgers, Maryland, like you said, Northwestern, Purdue, UCLA. Like those are the schools that are like. If I'm a fan base in one of those spots, if I'm at UCLA, I am on the ground just thanking whatever higher power I believe in. So those, to me, those are the real, the real big winners. And then to your point, I agree with with uh, CBS with the other schools, um, also big winners in this entire thing. Here, here's here's a question I have for you too, really quick. Does it concern you at all? Like ESPN is the primary sports media platform. There's a lot of places we get news. Does it concern you that now if they divest from the Big Ten that they have an maybe an a larger than normal influence on how people look at college football. Like they're going to stop covering the Big Ten, maybe stop talking about the Big Ten. They, Is they that, won't be it, able to not talk about the Big Ten. They mm-hmm. can't. They can't just say the Big Ten doesn't exist. You know, there are there are only eight ranked teams, and they're all in the AC. Are they're all in the SEC and ACC? It's just not going to work for them. Right. To they have point, to do it. To your point before, imagine Maryland looking at the other schools that they used to be with in with the ACC. Oh, I know. They have got they have got to be laughing hysterically at the fact that they through through only their position geographically, they have come into a massive windfall. They weren't mm-hmm. even a primary member of the ACC, right? And now all of a sudden, they're they're making more money than North Carolina, Florida State, and Clemson. Miami. I mean, Clemson. They're, they're they're making as much money as those four programs combined. The, maybe the we AC- can't say maybe we can't say ESPN is a loser because they still have the ACC at a cut rate price. That's true. They have them at hostage, right? They have them yes, at like. Yes, they do. <laughs> Rob, I, I, think who- the, I think the answer to that, Ryan, is going to be what happens with the playoffs. I think the the playoff the the championship series. I think that if 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 it's correct and we see the Big Ten grow and we see the SEC grow. How does that affect the idea of a football playoffs? Does it cause, can ESPN swag enough weight to break the playoff system and create a SEC internal playoff or or championship? You know, this is the national champion because it's the SEC. 
Or does, you know, if the playoff uh, gains enough momentum and becomes part of a, a bigger system between the Big Ten and, and the SEC, then is ESPN going to win the rights to the playoffs and therefore try and sway the admissions committee or the selection committee, if there is one, in which teams make it? You know, that's a great question on what's going to happen now with the ecosystem of the entire college football playoff system and how that's going to what's going to happen if we if we do come down to two big leagues. Mm. I think I think it's 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 a it's a lot bigger. People think it's simpler, but it's not. I think it becomes more difficult at that point unless we go with the old NFL, AFC, NFC kind of situation where it's it's, um, you know, internal playoffs and then and then one Super Bowl type of game. It, it muddies up the whole water of the playoff uh, picture if these two conferences become mega conferences. So it's interesting to see what's going to happen with that and how much power ESPN is going to have in the development of that system. I love how Ryan has insinuated the word ecosystem into the podcast. I love that word. It's, <laughs> like, it's, obviously. It's it's such a good way to talk about offense. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting to me because I think how it's structured, what I've read is both – both sides are going to have some playoff games like CBS, NBC, ESPN. Like, I think there's going to be a way for, in which case both sides kind of have to promote it. Right. Because it's right. good for, for everybody. It, I agree with you though. Like at the end of the day, people, corporations, media, everybody's in it to make money for themselves. Like that's right. not new, right? That's, that's human nature. And ESPN is suddenly going to have a very vested interest in promoting SEC football, which right. I think they've already done. But now it's going to be real. Like now it's going to be real, real. But here's the counterpoint to it. I think the Big Ten is so good and so powerful. Um, like, and, and if you put NBC, CBS behind it, now suddenly you, you have a counterpunch, right? Like NBC and CBS aren't, we're not talking Lifetime Network and this, you know, sci-fi channel here. We're talking le- like legitimate media heavyweights. And now they're going to counter punch ESPN. I, I just, I'm fascinated how it's going to work out. Um, I don't think the Big Ten is going to be on the short end of the straw because the Big Ten is one of the two power conferences. But yeah, don't be surprised when ESPN really starts pushing certain narratives more than they have in the past. Yeah, and and John, along the lines of of me thinking who the winners are, I think Fox is a winner in this because it has put them in a position to contest the ESPN worldwide leader in sports title. If they can start to show and gain market shares with the big 10 over ESPN, then they can actually legitimize all of their, their mess of FS one different channels that they have. If they can tighten that up and make a good structure for broadcasting all of big 10 sports, you know, mainly football, but basketball and, and, and all the subsidiary sports, they have a chance to promote themselves as the true or a new worldwide leader in sports. And, and it, I, I think hopefully they're thinking about this and trying to push that idea ahead in their corporate environment. It's really, think, str- oh, I'm ahead. sorry. Go ahead. No, go, no, go ahead. Finish your thought. Um, I think it's really strange. We saw in the last few years, I mean, see, the CBS Sports Network was basically given up for dead. You can't even get it on basic cable. You have to buy a sports package to get it. Mm-hmm. NBCSN died. It's gone. Uh, it was mainly about NHL hockey anyway, but they don't, they don't have a sports network anymore. Um, Fox decided to drop all their local sports channels, which used to be Fox Sportsnet and is now, um, you know, Bally Sports. And all of a sudden, now all three of those 
networks have come roaring back. If they get the Big Ten deal, um, Fox is 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 actively trying to turn the Big Ten into the NFL of their Saturdays because they already dominate Sundays with their coverage. I mean, it starts every day at, at 10, 11 o'clock Ryan's time zone and lasts until well into prime time. If they can achieve that sort of dominance with college football, they already have good college basketball content. Uh, they have that contract with the Big East. So if they can exclusivize the Big Ten in terms of basketball, they have two of the of the power six conferences in college basketball in their pocket. And I don't know what if they have an, a deal with another uh, sports uh, or with another conference. I, I, I apologize. I didn't look that far ahead. But... It seems like they are they are building back momentum that seemed to be entirely with ESPN just you know six months ago, where yeah. ESPN was true. ESPN had truly become a monster, and uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, the Big Ten is becoming a monster. The Big Ten responded to the SEC, right, which made the big power move of adding Texas and Oklahoma, and uh, you know the the Big Ten reciprocated in not quite as big of a fashion. But with this media deal, uh, they really they're 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 basically forcing ESPN into a niche market, and it wouldn't shock me at all if this ends with uh, you know the the dissolution of the ACC, and you really have two power conferences that are that are at their each other's throats, and then the Big Twelve or whatever it's going to be named in its future iteration lurking around us like, well, we're the we're still right. here, guys. We're, we're still here. You know, and, you like know, I the, heard. Oh, sorry. I, I was just gonna say I heard this on another podcast, so I can't take credit for this. But um, they were talking about um, I think Andy Staples was on this podcast, and he was saying, "Listen, people need to realize the Big Ten legitimizes whatever network they're on, right? Like that brand is so big, and the Big Ten again. We talked about I talked about earlier being the predator in the food chain and not the prey. Like the Big Ten's a predator here. They really are from a financial standpoint, and." Andy Staples talked about whatever network they fall on, people are worried about, well, ESPN's not going to talk about it. It won't matter, mm-hmm. right? If if you have the Big Ten on NBC, it won't matter because that will legitimize NBC. And big that, noon kickoff, big job. noon kickoff, baby. Yeah, and we, kickoff. Hate, <laughs> we hate those big noon kickoff games. There's not oh, enough so tailgate, tailgate time. You have to wake up a little earlier. I went to the Michigan game with my daughter. We got on national TV, but it was a nightmare of like waking up at 7.30 in the morning on a Saturday and not wanting to be up that early, but those games are, have huge ratings. Yeah, they do. They're enormous powerhouses and they've, they've actually, you know, Fox successfully carved out a essentially primetime ratings for an 11 o'clock central time kickoff noon Eastern. And, you know, I, they, they beggared uh, any game that's on ESPN ESPN doesn't didn't have those games. Now maybe they will with you know having to incentivize the SEC and and the ACC. Yeah. But can they really match that if the premier Big Ten matchup is at eleven o'clock? The strategy. This we could go on for hours. I mean, honestly, I think everyone on this podcast, at least Ryan and I, I know, are, are obsessed with the the power struggle that's going on right now in college football and who's staying ahead of whom because it's just really. It's like watching two Goliaths square off and the collateral damage. It's like Godzilla and King Kong in New York city. And the other conferences are just the people running around below. And you know, which program like Washington state is going to get squashed by the wreckage. And somehow Rutgers gets like picked up. Yep. (laughs) 
The, the yeah. other thing that I wanted to point out is NBC. So they're getting the night game for the Big Ten. But let's talk about renegotiation. What happens if they bring Notre Dame into the fold? So does that open them up to getting a co-Big Noon kickoff game? Because let's be honest, we're going we're gonna to see Ohio State and USC and Michigan get a lot of those big noon kickoff games, maybe Wisconsin, if we're having a good season later on in the season, but when you fans are going to be so pleased with 11 a.m. kickoff, I know know. against (laughs) Purdue, right? Like 11 a.m. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But when you bring Notre Dame into the fold, knowing the affiliation NBC has had with Notre Dame, are we going to see a lot of Notre Dame games at night? Are we going to see them being a premier name, premier name? Uh, Do we see them, be elevated to the noon spot, and therefore, do you see NBC being able to renegotiate because they're bringing something else of value to the Big Ten to the table? It's an interesting question of using an affiliated school as leverage in a business deal for for television rights. It'll be interesting to see what happens if that if that comes about. Yeah, hmm. all sorts of interesting possibilities with conference expansion still a hot topic. Uh, like I said, we we I, I think we'll cut the cut the discussion off there. We've talked about the Big Ten media rights. I mean, I know Ryan, you and I have gone on for for hours about conference expansion possibilities, but um, I think I think on on that note, we've done enough tonight. Uh, we can probably have a show every week about <laughs> with guest starring sure. Ryan about um conference expansion Listen, i'm here for that yeah i know <laughs> so so freaking fascinating to watch these monsters take each other on the mm-hmm. sec and the big 10 on that note uh we're gonna we're gonna head on out uh any uh rob for for forward what are what are you looking forward to in the next week yeah, obviously, I think the most obvious answer, starting to steal it because I'm going first, is is looking forward to the practice notes coming out. I really want to see if what we expect from what we're hearing from the first practice session, first week of practices, is really going to exhibit itself throughout the rest of fall camp in the passing game and the and the offensive line performance the way that it's the way that it's looking. Ryan, you're you're the guest, but you get to participate in our our, our exclusive forward like segment. Uh, yeah, what I'm are looking, you looking forward to this week? No, I'm definitely looking forward to more basketball notes, right? They got three more games in France. Um, very curious to see how the new transfers, I think Max Klesman and Kamari McGee are both really interesting additions to the team. You know, um, so I'm excited to see how they play. Uh, Stephen Crawless to take a big step up to take, be a little more consistent. So definitely looking forward to more basketball notes. We have real live action. It's exhibition, but it's against other teams. So yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing what comes out of that. I myself am looking forward to the fact that high school football, I drove by uh, the local high school kids were out in the field practicing. It's, it takes you, if you're, if you are a dude and you did any sort of organized sport activity, particularly football, seeing kids standing in the 80 degree heat on a practice field in August takes you back to, you can almost taste the rubber of that mouthpiece (laughs) And smell the mown grass uh, from from all those practice sessions. And uh, I really am looking forward to the start of high school football. Uh, it's throughout the Midwest and the South right now. Everyone is is you know on 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 pins and needles waiting for their their local alma mater to uh, to 
get cracking with high school football and I myself, you know, can't wait. On that note, uh, folks, if you want to email us, go ahead and uh, send us an email. We are thebuckycast43 at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can follow us on Twitter at thebuckycast. Uh, Ryan, thank you very much for being our guest. It was awesome. Uh, if you want to plug your podcast, now is the perfect time. Yeah, I mean, so I'm on Locked on Badgers. You can find me just Locked on Badgers anywhere you get podcasts, Locked on Badgers on Twitter. Um, really, really appreciate the time. You guys are doing awesome work. I've listened, like I said, every one of your shows. So uh really appreciate the opportunity to come on and chop it up. All right. Thank you very much, Ryan. Rob, till till next week, man. We'll we'll yeah. be back. We'll finally uh finally get to hear Will's voice unless, you know, he decides that New Zealand was just too great and he he stays there. <laughs> Never know. All right, until next time, folks, peace out.